Proverbs chapter 19. That's where we'll start this morning. Proverbs chapter 19. We are nearing the end of a series in this book. And in the second part of, of this series, we've been looking at what this book has to say about different areas of our life. How Proverbs applies wisdom uh, to different realms of our existence. We've talked about words and family and friendship. Uh, last week we talked about justice in public life. And another major element of our life in public as Christians is in the area of work. So that's where we're going to go this week. And so join me in Proverbs 19. And we're going to go to four different places and read little clusters of Proverbs. And we'll start in this chapter. Proverbs 19, verses 23 and 24. Hear now the word of the Lord. The fear of the Lord leads to life. And whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. And will not even bring it back to his mouth. And then over to chapter 21, verses 25 and 26. The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. All day long he craves and craves, but the righteous gives and does not hold back. And then to chapter 24, verse 30. Chapter 24, 30 to 34. I passed by the field of a sluggard, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come upon you like a robber. And want like an armed man. And then one more, finally to verse, or to chapter 26, chapter 26, verse 12 to 16. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. The sluggard says, There is a lion in the road, there is a lion in the streets. As a door turns on its hinges, so does the sluggard on his bed. The sluggard buries his hand in the dish. It wears him out to bring it back to his mouth. The sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven men who can answer sensibly. Let's pray. Father, would you help us now? These are words from you. And they are not only words of wisdom, they are also words of life. Help us to trust that. Give us the humility uh, to receive uh, what you teach us, not only by these ancient wise people, but what you are teaching us, giving us by your own spirit, your own presence, who's active even now. Open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to receive your word and be changed by it. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You load 16 tons, and what do you get? You know that one? Another day older and deeper in debt. Uh, St. Peter, don't call me home because I can't go. My soul it belongs to the company store. One of my earliest memories 
is sitting on my grandfather's lap and him singing that song to me. And he could sing it with a level of authenticity. Because my, my granddad, he, he worked all of his career with the gas company as a maintenance and repair, pump, repair man with the gas company in Polk County. And so he knew what it was like to be overworked and underpaid. He knew what it was like to work to the point of exhaustion and still struggle to make ends meet, uh, to put food on his table. And I could hear in his voice, and you can hear in the words of that old song, a weariness, a sorrow, a frustration with work. And don't you feel that? Don't you feel that sometimes? Even if you don't live on that razor edge financially. Uh, even if you found a career that generally you enjoy. Don't you feel the frustration? Don't you feel the exhaustion? Don't you feel the disappointment when it comes to work? Uh, many of you sit here this morning and you feel tired even thinking about tomorrow morning and the tasks that are in front of you this week. You are weary and you're frustrated and you're disappointed with work. Well, Proverbs wants to help us. This book, along with the rest of Scripture, deeply values and dignifies work. Work that we would consider menial. This book deeply values and dignifies work. These ancient people, these ancient men and women that speak in this book, they warn us of laziness and they challenge us to diligence, even in menial and mundane tasks. And so I want to come here this morning feeling our weariness, seeing how this book values work, and I want to ask a couple of questions. First, why is work so difficult? And then second, how can we work wisely? So first, why is work so difficult? Why is it so hard? Lions. <laughs> work is difficult because of the lions, right? The sluggard re refuses to go out of his house on a Monday morning because there are lions in the street. There are lions in the street. And of course, Proverbs is mocking this irrational fear, but it's also revealing that at the heart of laziness isn't, a isn't just a refusal of effort. It is a surrender to fear and a refusal of risk. Laziness is more about anxiety than it is about refusing to try hard. And this, you know, the sluggard's fear, it is, it is irrational. And so that challenges us to consider our own irrational fears of, of thinking that the world is against us. And so refusing to step into the world. But it's important for us to realize that even though this fear is irrational, the danger is still real. There is still, still a very real danger. Any endeavor, when we put ourselves into any endeavor, there is at least a little danger. There is at least a little risk. 
Perhaps there aren't lions in the street, but there are oppressive bosses. And there are difficult co-workers. And there is the very real threat of failure. And there is the very real pain of boredom and futility. And so we still need to ask, why? Even if we don't give in to irrational fear and show up on Monday morning, why is it so hard? Why is it so difficult? Well, there's something else connected to the sluggard in the book of Proverbs. Not only lions, but also thorns. Right? You heard that in chapter 24. You go by the field, you go by the vineyard of the sluggard, and it's all overgrown with thorns and nettles, which is significant when your livelihood depends on agriculture. But it's even more significant, and it reveals an even deeper problem with work when you consider the context of the story of Scripture. Because we have to ask, why are the thorns there in the first place? Why are the thorns there in the first place? It's not just the negligence of the sluggard. The world began in a thornless but not workless garden. The world began in a thornless but not a workless garden. God made humanity in his image. And part, essentially part of what it means to be in the image of God is work. It is the dignified call of joining the Creator in cultivating the creation for life. So we must always remember that work isn't a result of sin. Work is prior to the tragedy of Genesis 3. So what is the result of sin? Thorns. Thorns and thistles. The result of sin isn't the existence of work. It is the pain of work. And so the sluggard, what he tries to do is he tries to avoid reality. He surrenders the world to the curse. And he tries to escape life. He tries to escape a world that has been ruined by sin, which is understandable. Because it's painful. It is painful to step in a world that's been ruined by sin and to put forth effort. That is painful, but here's the hard edge of Proverbs. It's painful, but the fall isn't an excuse. It's painful, but it isn't an excuse. The pain of living in in the world is not an excusable absence. From living in the world. From putting forth effort in the world. The fall isn't an excuse. Proverbs calls us to show up. It calls us to persistently show up to the seemingly impossible task of beating back the thorns. You know, elsewhere, the, the book of Proverbs points us to the model of ants. To teach us to work. But this makes me think of wasps. I don't know if you've noticed, but wasps like to join our communal life here at Centerpoint Church. 
Uh, fortunately, not usually inside, but certainly outside. Wasps love the, the wood on our deck. And no matter how much we spray them, they keep coming back. We poison them regularly, <laughs> but they keep showing up. Now, if your boss poisons you, you probably should find another job. <laughs> but Proverbs wants something of that tenacity from us. That tenacity to show up in a world. And yes, it is painful. It is sometimes futile and frustrating. But it calls us to continue to show up, putting forth effort in this world. Your creator calls you, demands from you, your presence and your activity in his creation. Cultivating his creation, bringing forth and promoting life within his creation. And you know what, that, that's difficult for us, not only because of the pain of work, but also because we have become increasingly better at escape. An Xbox has shown up in my house recently, and there is a racing game on that Xbox, and I can set that game to the easy setting, and I can win every race. I can live in a world without failure. I can live in a world without real risk. And listen, games aren't bad. Rest and recreation, they are very important elements of our lives. But we must resist that escapist impulse. That impulse within us that is fueled by a dizzying array of options for entertainment. We must resist that escapist impulse and continue to persistently show up. To hear the call of our Creator. To join in his own work of cultivating and promoting life in his creation. But how? How do we do that? Second question. How can we work wisely? How can we work wisely? Proverbs never stays at the level of duty. It never just says, hey, show up and do your job. It does say that. But it doesn't stay there. It digs deeper. Wisdom is always after our desires. Wisdom wants to capture and to train our longings, our wants, our desires. So did you notice that laziness is not a lack of desire? No, chapter 21 says that the sluggard, he craves and he craves. The problem isn't having desire. The problem is movement. It's the direction of desire. What does he do? He moves. He puts his hand in the dish. But he won't even bring it back to his mouth to feed himself. Chapter 26 uses the image of a door on hinges. There's movement, but nobody's going anywhere. So the problem of laziness isn't a lack of desire. It's the movement. It is the direction of desire. And so if we are going to work wisely... We must live in contrast to that movement. We must know, we must understand where our desires should go when it comes to work. And Proverbs gives us three directions. 
Three directions for our desires and for our work. First of all, provision. Proverbs says you should want the basic necessities of life. You should want food and shelter. And apart from a few situational ex- or exceptions, you should work for those basic necessities. You should work for food and shelter. And so a little sleep, a little slumber, and poverty robs, steals what you need to live your life. You should want the basic necessities of life and you should work for those necessities. Now, back to last week. It is very important that we realize that Proverbs recognizes that the causes of poverty are manifold, including injustice and oppression. So the message here isn't that all poor people are lazy. No, poverty can happen uh, because of social breakdown. It can happen because of family breakdown. It can happen because of, of natural tragedies. There are all sorts of reasons and causes for poverty. This is simply saying you should work for your basic food and shelter. It's what the New Testament affirms. If a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. But that provision, that working for provision, it is never merely individual. It's never merely individual. So a second direction for our desires and our work is community. We should work for the benefit of others. We should work for the good of the people around us. And while that includes family, it's not limited to family. Remember chapter 21 talks about the the sluggard craving and craving. What's the contrast? It's the righteous. And what does the righteous do? The righteous works really hard? No. It says the righteous gives. You see, work is an act of generosity. Bringing benefit into our communities, into our world. Work is not headphones, it's speakers. Work is not music primarily for our enjoyment. Work is not music primarily for our self-fulfillment. There's nothing wrong with seeking a job that you enjoy, that gives you a measure of fulfillment, but that is not work's primary purpose. Work isn't headphones, it's speakers. It is music for the life of those Around us, it is music for the city of Tallahassee. It's music for our neighborhoods, our town, our nation, our world. We should work for the benefit of others. And that should play into our decision about what kind of work that we do. Proverbs doesn't talk a lot about that choice about that choice of what kind of career we're going to have. Because in the world of Proverbs, you were pretty much born into your vocation. You didn't get to choose your vocation. But this emphasis on working for the benefit of our communities should play into our decision about what vocations that we choose, what kind of career that we pursue. We should consider our skills our giftings, our talents, that's good. We should. There's nothing wrong with asking, am I going to enjoy this work? But we must also always ask, can I, through this work, bring good 
into the world. And so our work should go in the direction of provision. It should go into the, in the direction of community, community. And then finally and ultimately, our work should go in the direction of rest. Our work should go in the direction of rest. The biggest influence on how we work is where we find rest. And that's not just physical and emotional. Although those are, it is important to physically and emotionally rest. That is really important. But ultimately, this is a spiritual matter. It's a spiritual concern. Back to chapter 19, verse 24 talks about the sluggard who puts his hand in the dish. What's the contrast to that? It's in the verse that comes right before it. Chapter 19, verse 23. The fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it has what? They rest Satisfied. Whoever has and lives in the fear of the Lord rests satisfied. The biggest influence on how you work is where you find rest. The ability to work within God's creation comes from finding rest in our Creator. You know why so many of us are, are exhausted even thinking about tomorrow? It is not just the enormity of our task. It's not just the long list. It's not just the busyness of the week. We are tired because we are working at the unachievable task of proving ourselves. We are exhausted because we show up to our vocations trying To accomplish the unaccomplishable. We're trying to prove our worth. We are trying to prove our significance. You know the story of Sisyphus in Greek mythology? Right? He is, he's cursed by the gods to live all eternity pushing a rock up a hill and then it gets to the top of the hill, it rolls back down, he has to push it back up. That's work. But that is work when we are trying to use work to prove our own worth. If you show up to your job trying to say, I matter, then you will be exhausted, you will be self-focused, and you will, in the end, overwork instead of underwork. And the harm of overworking can be just as bad as the harm of underworking. I I think in many ways that's more a message for at least some of us, at least part of our culture, is not an avoidance of work, but an overattachment to work for our identity, for our sense of meaning and significance. And so you need rest in your Creator. You need rest in the fear of your God. You know another reason that we are so tired when it comes to work? It's because we are working with an anxious attempt to control our lives. We work with an anxious attempt to prevent all bad things from happening. 
We work with an anxious attempt to deal with the unpredictability of our lives. And this can attach especially to the issue of money. Money is so powerful in our hearts. Not just because of a desire for luxury and lavish wealth, but because of a desire for safety. And money, particularly in our culture, can give us this false sense of stability. This false sense of protection. This false sense that if I can put enough in the bank, if I can put enough in the college account, if I can put enough in the retirement account, then I can control what scares me. It's the same fear as that of the sluggard. It just goes in a different direction. If you work with that anxious desire to control that will leave you exhausted and it will leave you self-focused and will, it will leave you more worried than you were before. Listen, it, we need to work for basic necessities. But don't put in the basket of basic necessities things that are not basic necessities. It is not a basic necessity to be able to put your kid through Harvard. That's not a basic necessity. It's good. You can save money and help your kids with college. That's a great thing. That's a good thing. It is not a basic necessity. But we attach so much fear and we work with so much anxiety with things like that. We are exhausted. We are self-focused. And we are more worried than ever before. And you know what? We need rest. We need rest. We need the satisfaction of fearing God. Rather than fearing our unpredictable situations. We need the rest and satisfaction of fearing God. Rather than fearing other people's approval. We need the rest of our creator. Who through his son calls us beloved sons and daughters. Work won't meet your need for worth. But God, even though we are unworthy, gives us the dignity of being called His beloved sons and daughters. And He does that through His Son. So the rest that will enable us for work is found not ultimately in the words of the sages, but in the work of of Jesus on our behalf. Our rest will be found in His work. You see, He took the thorns of the curse on His head so that our lives could be made fruitful with love for God and love for our neighbor, which should be the motivation of our work. Jesus on the cross, He toiled under God's judgment. And He said, it's done. It's finished. No more striving. And because He toiled under God's judgment, we can work under God's favor. So tomorrow morning, we need to wake up hearing a different work song. We need to hear Jesus singing to us, Come unto me, 
all you who are weary and heavy laden. Come unto me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Jesus doesn't give us another vacation. No, he says, work with me. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. And you won't owe your soul to the company store. But in your soul you will find freedom. You will find eternal rest. Let's pray.